Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So we have the Echo set up that when we order something on Amazon and it arrives, right. she lets us know. It's kind of like, like Santa. You know, in, in a way. Yeah. Hey, there's something here for you. You get to go down and pick up and unwrap. Yeah. Yesterday, we got the, the notification. And so I said, excuse me, lady, what is the notification? And she said, socks has arrived. And my <laughs> first thought, and this is just a side effect of me being the age I am, mm -hmm. was the Clinton administration cat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Boy, that's a real narrow category of humor. There. But no. No. It was uh, nubby socks. With the grippies on the bottom. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't the Clinton administration's cat from the 90s. Bummer. Too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. I understand, though. I get excited about silly things. And I don't maybe it's my age or whatever, but the other day I opened up the pantry. I got real excited that I had uh, instant soup in there. Yeah. That I could make. And uh, I didn't have to open a can, which... Just seemed way too much effort. I'm really curious about what makes some soup more instant than other soups. I mean, you're just heating them up. Yeah, I, I think the microwavable soup, I don't have to open the can, put it in a pan, dirty up a pan, you know, take the time to heat up the burner. I can just put it in the microwave and push a button. You don't have to take the top off or anything? Well, you got to take the top off, but, you And know. isn't there like a peel back All right, so thing? you got to take the, the top There's off. There's two and, tops. And, and peel it back, yeah. But, but there are no tools necessary for that, and uh, right. I would far rather have that so yeah i always get excited when i don't think i have any and then i find some wow in the pantry yep this yep. is who we are people mm -hmm. sad <laughs> but true saddest thing i've ever heard well there is something huge lurking beneath the thick ice sheets of antarctica is that what we're calling your pants now scientists and researchers have no idea what it is but whatever it is, it's been there for a very, very long time. Yeah. 
It's called the Wilkes Land Gravity Anomaly, and it's located in an isolated region of Antarctica. What is it? It's a gravitational anomaly. <laughs> it was first detected by the GRACE satellites. There's a pair of satellites. They're called the GRACE satellites. And uh, they were put into orbit in 2002 to monitor the Earth's gravity and specifically to look for gravitational anomalies. Uh-huh. They use this information for various reasons. Everything uh, from potential earthquake or volcanic areas to discovering oil reserves, which my guess is they're probably more interested in that. So in 2006, a research group from the University of Ohio, led by Professor Ralph Von Fries, noticed during uh, one of the satellites. Yes. I'm sorry. He works in Antarctica, and his name is Ralph Von Fries. <laughs> well, he's not in Antarctica, but yes, he researches Antarctica, and his name is Ralph Von Fries, which sounds like a... A Batman a, villain? It sounds like a villain from, yeah, like uh, Marvel Comics yeah. or DC Comics or something. Anyway, he noticed that during one of the f- satellite flyovers of Antarctica, what appeared to be a huge crater, and we're, t- we're talking huge, like 500 kilometers across. Wow. And from what they've been able to determine, the width of the object inside of this crater is about 300 kilometers across, and it's embedded in the crust about 848 meters deep. So it's, it's huge and significant. I have a hard time, uh, so I'm going to translate that into imperial, if you don't mind. No, it's, no, go ahead. Uh, 848 uh, meters is... 800. Okay, so that's 2,782 feet. So that's about half a mile. Now, it is in addition to being a half a mile into the crust of the Earth, the ice over it is nearly two kilometers thick. Science believes that this giant object hidden under the ancient Antarctic ice is a meteor or an asteroid, probably a meteor, a huge meteor. And because it's made almost entirely of metal, that's what's, yeah. oh, okay, what's creating the anomaly. It's whatever it is, it's metal. Yeah. Now we're all familiar with the Chicxulub crater. That's the one that is- uh, We? Well, it's near the Yucatan Peninsula, what's now the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. And uh, we're familiar with it being, at least most people, most scientists and uh, researchers believe it's the impact crater from the meteor that uh, was responsible for the death of many prehistoric animals, including most of the dinosaurs. This occurred, scientists believe, about 66 million years ago. The Wilkes Land Gravitational Anomaly is believed to be far, far older. Experts put its age probably closer to 250 million years ago. And the size of the object, assuming it's a meteor, is four to five times larger than the meteor or asteroid that created the Chicxulub crater, which pretty much wiped out all of all of life. Right. The meteor that caused the Chicxulub crater was about 40 miles across, something like that, 40, 45. And when you compare it to this anomaly in Antarctica that's over 300 kilometers across, you get a pretty good idea. Now, not everybody, of course, is convinced that this is a meteor or an asteroid hidden beneath the ice. There are some who suggest it may be a huge crashed alien craft. Could it be? could, Could it be? Now, the reasons that they cite is that if it was, in fact, 
a meteor or an asteroid that crashed into Earth, it would have left a huge, long debris trail. And there is no indication that that's the case. Okay. And when you say they, you mean ancient alien theorists? (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. Ancient alien theorists who often say yes. Now, believe me when I say this to you, that I love the idea of ancient alien technology frozen in the ice. Right. It's very X-Files. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or or the thing. We're long overdue to watch that again. Indeed. Although if it did turn out to be true that it was a frozen uh, UFO from 250 million years ago, mm-hmm. I would be freaked the F out. I would be terrified. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea, but I'd hate it if it was really true. Yeah. But it does seem to most likely be a meteor or an asteroid strike. Fine. Whatever. I mean, there wouldn't be a... What's the word that you used? Because all I can think of is a rock runway. You know, Debris a, trail. A debris trail. There wouldn't be that if it hit straight on, right? I don't know the logistics of that. Okay. But I think the idea is that when when a meteor hits, it breaks up and there are several impacts. Boom, 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 boom. And uh, where there's a major crater, there'll be a a field of debris from miles, Mm -hmm. in many cases, of smaller chunks of meteors. Sure. Or meteorites. So, yeah, probably a meteor or an asteroid, but one of unbelievable power. And that in and of itself is fascinating. Yeah. Maybe not as fascinating as an alien craft, but the magnetic and gravitational anomalies found in this remote area of Antarctica are virtually identical to magnetic and gravitational anomalies that have been found along the edge of the continent of Australia. So this has led researchers to hypothesize that this huge meteor or asteroid impact took place when those land masses were connected Mm. and part of one continent known at the time as Gondwana. Gondwana was formed about 550 million years ago and began breaking up during the Jurassic somewhere around 200 million years ago. The final stages of the breaking up involved the separation of Antarctica from South America and Australia. Uh And the size of this impact crater under the uh, two kilometers of ice sheet in Antarctica, combined with the similar magnetic and gravitational anomalies both in Antarctica and along the coast of Australia, seem to suggest that the meteor or asteroid played a big part in the breaking up of Gondwana. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And maybe that's the debris trail. Maybe the debris trail is... Could be. ...around Australia. It could be. I didn't even think about that, but that does make sense because the impact crater in Antarctica is uh, along the eastern edge Mm -hmm. of what we now recognize as the continent of yeah. Antarctica. Just, just a reminder, I'm saying things without understanding the science at all. That's what I do constantly. So, <laughs> so yeah, probably it's a, a meteor, maybe an asteroid, probably a meteor. But we, that doesn't mean we've ruled out aliens. Right, yeah. That doesn't prove it's not aliens. It's just probably not aliens, but it could be. That was very Steve Zahn just now. (laughs) My source information, Wikipedia, academia.edu, and earthchronicles.com. The Wilkes Land Gravitational Anomaly. That's really interesting. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. 
You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer and now that thing in the middle back in 2009 a man named ronald ball sued the pepsi company after he allegedly found a dead mouse in his can of mountain dew the case was ultimately settled for an undisclosed amount but not before the pepsi corporation put forth this defense They said that had a dead mouse been in a can of Mountain Dew for as long as the plaintiff claimed, the Mountain Dew is so acidic it would have dissolved the mouse into a jelly-like mass. Got an email from Dara. Uh, She's talking about the uh, piece we did on euphemisms around the world for the menstruation cycle. Mm -hmm. 
I asked my Russian sister-in-law about period euphemisms after you talked about it on your show. I asked her if there were any Russian period euphemisms. Her answer, not really. They call it, quote, critical days. Critical days. And if you are having sex during your period, your man says, quote, real pirates are not afraid of the Red Sea. <laughs> arr, arr, pirates. Jessica sent us a message. Hi, Kat and Jethro. I'm currently on box 501, and I was listening to you guys tell stories about other freaks singing along to the What You Got From Me jingle. Mm -hmm. I've acquired a similar habit because of you. It doesn't matter where I am. Whenever I hear the word phenomenon, <laughs> I can't help but go, Phenomena. Sometimes I only say it in my head in hopes that I'll hear someone say it out loud so I can find a hidden freak around me. <laughs> I'm lucky to have my twin sister. She introduced me to your podcast, who understands all of my boo puns. Thank you guys for bringing so much love into my life. Your podcast really helped me while I was getting out of an emotionally abusive relationship. Please never stop being yourselves. Juice. P.S. If you happen to share this, please give a shout out to my twin, Rachel. Let her know that two minutes does technically make me older. She's ahead of me on episodes, so maybe she'll hear this before me. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, Juice. We don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you guys listening. Truly. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, love, you got something for me. I know you do. What if I just said, like, no, I don't? Then I just turn the mic off and go get a beer. <laughs> I mean, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to yeah. just... Uh, sure. well, yeah. It is Saturday night, after all. Well, I was thinking, since we decided it was going to be white people taco night tonight, I've got that jalapeno margarita mix. Oh, Maybe, that's uh, a great idea. Let's, yeah. let's do that. Okay. I'm in. What was I doing? Oh, yes. A story. The show. Mm. Do you know what a grain auger is? Yeah, it's uh, a, a, an auger that they use for grain. Right, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you're so smart. Is it like a, a spinny thing that uh, helps move the grain? Yeah, I was thinking of it like, um, you know, the aqueduct that like they a... used for that ancient garden in Iran, but instead of for water, it's for grain. Ah, I 
There's probably easier ways to yeah, describe I, it. I'm I'm not picturing what you what you're describing, but yes. Um, anyway, when grain is harvested, an auger transports it from the harvester to the truck for transporting. It's like a screw, sort yeah, of, it's like and a it cork picks, screw. Yeah, it picks the grain up and then brings it toward wherever it's going. Usually, it's to transport from trucks to grain bins where it will be dried or stored or whatever. Well, our story starts with John Thompson and a grain auger. <laughs> John's family owned and operated a 1,600-acre farm near Hertzville, North Dakota. On the morning of January 11, 1992, John's parents had gone to Bismarck, about 90 miles away, for a funeral. So after sleeping in a bit and having breakfast, 18-year-old John was off to do his farm chores. John and his dog were out unloading pig feed with the grain auger this morning, and his chore was to unload barley from a dump truck using the auger that carried the grain to the bin as a conveyor belt You said pig feed. Yeah. Okay. I thought you said feet. Oh, I'm sorry. That's an unusual use of a grain auger. I have a fun habit of over-enunciating sometimes and under-enunciating others. Deal, dick. (laughs) Anyway... John and his dog were uh, doing the the pig feed. Connecting the engine to the auger was a flat one and a half inch bar called the power takeoff. And as this part spun, the auger turned. And when this part is happening, when the power takeoff is controlling the auger, transporting the grain into the bin, I guess there's not a lot to do. You're just waiting for it to do its thing. But, but... Clearly, you don't want to wear any loose-fitting clothing or a scarf. Yes, you wouldn't want to. No, no. But John was. No, he wasn't. Oh, so while no. this is happening, John and his dog are playing around a little, but it's January in North Dakota, and the ground is frozen in some spots and even icy in others. So John slipped and toppled toward the power takeoff shaft. The next thing John remembers is waking up to his dog licking his face. He doesn't know how long he was out for. What a good boy. Yes, this dog is a very good dog. Well, when John came to, he was laying on his left side, and he recalled, I looked at my right, and I couldn't see my arm, and I thought it was broken. And then I tried to use my left arm to lift myself up, and that's when I saw it was off. Both of them were off. Both of his arms had been ripped off by the spinning machinery. Oh, my God. I'm sitting there, he said, trying to figure out how to get up. So I put my back against the tractor tire, and I pushed myself up using my feet. He looked around and saw blood everywhere and just started screaming. But he was too far away from anyone else for it to do any good. So he started to walk home. Oh. John was only about 100 yards from the house, so it wasn't too far. But with your arms having just been ripped off, Mm. it really wasn't a relaxing stroll kind of situation. No, his arms had been ripped off real bad. Yeah. John used the bone sticking out from his left shoulder to open the screen door at the front of the house. Holy crap. Then opening the interior door using his mouth. Inside, he knew he needed to call for help. Down the hallway was a phone in a small room used as an office, and so he needed to get through a second door. He ended up trying to, like, bash the door open and 
put a hole through it with his knee. But again, he changed tactics mm. and opened the door with the doorknob using his mouth. This guy is unbelievably resourceful under pressure. It's incredible. And again, he's 18. Wow. Well, he comes from hardy farm stock. So we got to the phone, and at the time, there's no 911 in Herdsfield, so John's thought was to call his girlfriend. He managed to use his nose to press the numbers, but the line was busy. Oh, my God. So he tried again, and he called this time his uncle, Lynn Thompson. They only lived a few miles away. And after several failed attempts at dialing with his nose again, he found a pen, picked it up with his mouth, and dialed with the pen. This time, finally, he heard the phone ringing and his cousin Tammy on the other end. Tammy, he yelled. Yeah, she said. You've got to get an ambulance out here right away. Okay, what's the matter, she said. John said, I can't feel my arms. They're gone. And she said, who is this? (laughs) No. And he went, it's John, stupid. (laughs) John repeated that he needed an ambulance, that he was bleeding badly, and then he hung up because he wanted to clear the line so Mm. that she could Mm -hmm. call as quickly as possible. Now, Tammy was concerned that this was just her cousin, who was always calling her stupid, playing a prank on her. But she called her stepmother anyway and told her to alert the volunteer ambulance crew that was about 11 miles away. She then called her mom and said, can you come here and bring us up to the farm? Because I think John's in trouble. So when Tammy and Renee arrived at the Thompson farm, like five minutes later, they walked in to splattered blood everywhere. Oh my God. And they heard John crying from the bathroom. John has made his way into the bathtub so that he wouldn't stain his mother's carpet. Oh, wow. He just started screaming as as soon as he heard them come in, don't let Tammy come in here. He didn't want his cousin to see him like that. John asked for a glass of water, and after getting that for him, Renee helped him out of the tub and sat him up on the toilet, and she tried to soothe him and saying, you know, the ambulance is on the way, they'll be here in just a second. John told Renee he was really concerned with how others in his family would react to this accident. He thought for sure his dad would blame himself for leaving John alone to do the chores. Mm. He also said, well, I said I wanted to quit smoking, but this isn't how I wanted to stop. (laughs) (laughs) I love this kid. (laughs) But John was starting to get dizzy. He was bleeding out. Yeah. After getting to the house, the ambulance crew strapped John to a stretcher. They find his arms, surprisingly not mangled, and they wrap them up in plastic garbage bags and put them on ice and then sped to a local hospital, which was about 20 minutes away. And you said it was cold out anyway, so that probably helped? Yes. Yeah. John recalled by the time he got to the hospital, they said, you shouldn't be alive because there's hardly any blood in you. Stop telling me that, is what I would say. Haggis has an itch. You got it, buddy? No, I agree. Stop saying things like that. <laughs> you should be dead. Yeah. Okay, well. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, this, this kid is amazing. Right. What he, he persevered through. All, I can't imagine the pain. And, I mean, I hit my thumb with a drill bit. Yeah. And... You almost had to carry me to the car. You could barely even tell me what had happened. Yeah. 
Sweetie. Help me. I fucked up my thumb. And it was not fucked up at all. I, I mean, your nail was pretty ruined. Yeah, 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 that was, that was. But uh, compared to like no arms, yeah. Yeah. Doing pretty good. As the Los Angeles Times wrote, for a guy with his arms ripped off, he was in fine shape. Apparently, John, by getting out of the cold, he had kept his body temperature from plunging. Also, shock had set in, so that lowered his blood pressure and minimized blood loss. Wow. Also, his nerves went into a state of shock as well, so that suppressed the pain. I mean, there were exposed nerves, and whenever those were hit on things, he said it was like a shockwave went through his body of pain, and it was incredible. But for the most part, not too bad for considering his arms had just been ripped off. And also by getting into one spot and not like thrashing around by just staying in the tub, he had cut down on his blood loss. Though he had lost about half of his blood. Wow. John at the hospital talked about his concern that he had left the tractor running. Are you kidding me? He also got mad at the medical staff for cutting off his brand new cowboy boots. Oh my God. At 3.30 p.m., John accompanied by a doctor and his arms were taken for a two-hour flight to Minneapolis. This was the first time that John had been on a real plane. So he argued with the crew until they let him sit up so he could look out the window. Wow. Now, he must be heavily medicated at this point. I would would imagine. They gave him something for the pain. I would think so. But he does recall telling the crew of the plane that his arms were cold. Mm. And they were like, they're not on you. So (laughs) was he making a joke because his arms were on ice? Unclear. Oh, my God. It sounds like him, though. He's a hero. They were heading to Alan Van Beek, the closest specialist who had actually already done three arm reattachment surgeries. Soon after John arrived, the surgical team led by Van Beek began working on his left arm that had been severed just above the elbow. And at the same time, another team was working on the right arm to prepare it for surgery. I see. Okay. That arm had been torn off at the shoulder. Oh. The fractured bones were set with metal plates and six deep threaded screws. After that, the blood vessels were linked with stitches, and this reestablished the circulation between the arms and the body. Also, transfusions, as you can imagine, Mm. were needed. Fifteen pints in all. My God. After the surgery, he was put into a medically induced coma for four weeks. Wow. Unfortunately, during that time, he nearly died of a blood infection and had to endure more surgery. After he was woken up from his coma, he had to start intensive rehabilitation. When he was woken up, he was told about two inches of bone that he had lost during the reattachment. And he said, that's okay. I always had trouble finding shirts that fit anyway. (laughs) Honest to God. (laughs) So obviously, John is the coolest. Mm. And this only added to how enchanting his story was. He was visited in the hospital by Emilio Estevez. (laughs) Really? Bette Midler called. Bo Jackson called him. Gifts arrived from John Mellencamp and Whitney Houston. Hospital volunteers had to be recruited to handle his mail. That's delightful. It was all a lot. And for John, emotionally... He had a really hard time with all the attention. Mm. 
But he got back into physical therapy, lifting weights to build his strength, though he says that he never regained all of his fine motor skills. And John dealt with memory loss in the aftermath of his accident. Was that because of the uh, medically induced coma he was in? Or, Unclear. Yeah, or maybe just his the mind. trauma? Yeah, his mind going, yeah, I don't think about that. Yeah. He was invited to the White House at one point. Really? And uh, apparently went, but he doesn't remember it at all. I wonder if he saw Socks the Cat. I bet he did. In 2002, John published a book called Home in One Piece about his life. And he wrote that things are difficult, but he still does them. He says he can't button a shirt, but he can slip on an already buttoned shirt over his head. He can't really write legibly, but he's a better typist now than he was before the accident. He's one of those glass half full kind of guys, isn't he? It's pretty amazing. It really is. In 2021, 29 years after his accident, John was interviewed by KFYR-TV. And he said, looking back at the whole ordeal, it was the notoriety that was the toughest part for him. Hmm. He said that some people treated him oddly afterward, like because he became famous because of his accident, he was somehow cocky. People even said that the way he walked now implied that he thought he was better than them. Oh, my God. Which he explained, no, I walk this way. I roll my shoulders back because I don't I don't have a lot of balance, so I need to to pull my shoulders back so I can stay balanced when I walk forward. People are such shitbags. Also, because they got donations to help with his medical bills, people had things to say about how that money was spent. Mm -hmm. He bought like a Silverado truck and people thought he was all highfalutin then. (laughs) And he was like, it's, you know, people said I should have bought a Corvette or I should have bought some dumpy truck and nothing that I did was the right thing for people. Which... I think is a really interesting phenomenon. Like, why should anyone have anything to say about how this man handles the rest of his life? Shut up! Leave him alone. For God's sake. My God. Thompson said that he will continue to work to remain a positive influence for others who are dealing with difficult injuries. He's flown to Minneapolis many times and driven there many times to talk to families and support them and what they're going through to give them advice on what to expect, how to move forward, and provide support. Yeah, he's all highfalutin now. Right. Thompson says he's experienced depression for years and is very open about that. And he says that he wants people to know about it, that it's something that a lot of people go through and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Going forward, he said, just remembering that I'm not the only one with issues. Other people have it way worse, and I'm not going to get down on myself because of something that happened to me. I love this guy. I love him. And he's still out there, like, talking with politicians about how to make things easier for people who are working with different abilities. It's pretty amazing. I got my information from AG Week, from Unilad, History and Other Things, the LA Times, and KFYRTV.com. And big thanks to Bavman, who recommended this story. Well, that's an inspiring feel-good story. Thank you for that. I don't think we can get enough of those. I mean, it was pretty... It was pretty rough in the beginning. Pretty rough in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it got better. The whole thing about his arms is what I'm referring to. Yeah, that first part was pretty not great. right. But uh, good for him. I love that. Haggis is getting a little antsy. I think we may have to feed him. 
Did I tell you what the uh, woman who works downstairs said about him the other day when we came in from our walk? No. We had just had a, a meetup with her where she was scritching and he was all like tail wags and stuff. Very excited to see her. Not really see her, but experience her scritches. He doesn't really see much of anything. He's pretty much blind. Yeah. And I headed back to the elevator. And just as the elevator door was closing, I heard her say to somebody else in the room, I would commit arson for that dog. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes. She's, she's one of our kind of people. <laughs> That's delightful. And you're delightful too, you special freak. We love you and we appreciate you hanging out with us. We'd love to hear from you. Curator at theboxofoddities.com is our email address. And you can find all things box related at our website, theboxofoddities.com. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Hello everyone, Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History, wherever you get your podcasts.